0: Meanwhile in the podcast, And welcome back to another edition of the Podman. I'm Brad. I'm Brian. I'm Podman Ron. All right. Welcome back, boys. It's been a while. We're, we're we continue our road to two hundred by recording one episode a month. We'll almost make it this year, I think,
1: <laughs> if we notice. keep
0: up with this pace.
1: Big, yeah, yeah, and, and none of us dies. Well, yeah, Ow, which is Jesus <laughs> Christ. Oh, yeah. A little, yeah, a little tough starting oh, off. Well, here. I mean, every every
0: month that ticks by for PMR, you know, oh, yeah, this it's is true. Another another month that Larry Storch is getting closer to PMR. <laughs> Or vice versa.
1: A, he's got a lot a lot more behind, uh, behind him than
0: he does ahead of him. Who did I? Oh, you know what? I, not to lead off too morbid. I thought Barbara Eden had passed away. Uh, I no. saw a headline, but it was like, Barbara Eden, 91, still looks fabulous. I thought it was going to be she died. Did y'all see who did pass away? Somebody did. Who was it? We're launching into don't, the In Memoriam segment. Don't go to bed
2: with no price on your head.
0: No, no. Yep. Don't do it. Brian. Yeah, I know. I know. Brian, no, no clue. No clue. Child actor extraordinaire Robert Blake.
2: Yeah, Robert Blake. Oh, Robert Blake died?
0: I didn't yeah, know yeah. that. Yeah,
2: well. He's finally uh he's finally uh
0: got his come up
2: <laughs> from his, uh killing his girlfriend twenty years ago. I mean, you know eh,
0: eventually karma gets you.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sorry about our age'll get to you, either one. I don't know.
0: Justice.
2: Justice. That's, that's what you call
0: justice. Uh, wow, this is the worst, uh, saddest opening, the bleakest opening uh, we've had right. in a while. Um, he so, killed
2: his wife. He should
1: be happy. <laughs>
2: that's right. You're right. Yeah.
0: Now, now if only William Shatner. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, where's the fanfare, right, Brad? Hey, hey.
0: hey, uh, hey whoa, hey. whoa, whoa. All right. I've done cross the line with PMR. Yeah. i uh, do that. Well, right off the bat, other than the the breaking deaths news of, uh, I'm sure everybody's concerned about Robert Blake. We do have a special guest tonight. This is kind of momentous that we this is our second special guest <laughs> in 200 episodes. I, Kevin years. being yeah. the uh, the first one, right? Yeah. Kevin, the tattoo artist. Yeah, we had one call in, didn't we?
1: Did we have one uh, dial in at one point? Really? For, for a listener,
0: so I don't think the listener dialed in. We oh, that's right, he never it. dialed in. No, we talked right. about it. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> we talk a lot. We talk a lot. Long time listener, no time caller. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Uh, but we do have a very special guest uh, on to uh, to talk about one of Brian's favorite subjects, which is toys and collectibles. So that should be interesting. Before we get to that, though, let's go ahead and head over to the newsroom. <laughs> All right, Brian. Uh, not really a, a heavy news month. <laughs> I was going to say a heavy news day. Uh, not a whole lot going on. Uh, any casting or any news? News? What you got?
1: Well, there's there's some uh, aftermath from Ant Man and oh. Mania
0: that. Wow. that- Thud.
2: Brian the, uh, Brian will not give
0: yeah, up over Brian this. was. The going, he he is, is digging for news for he that one.
2: Walt's more, more of uh, going after Marvel here. Nah, I, I don't
1: hate Marvel. But, but, <laughs> but now that you mention uh, it. Now, now that, that you mention it. it let me uh, sit
2: on this movie some more.
1: There was a reaction from the writer of uh, Ant Man and the Lost Quantumania or Ant Man, Quantumania, whatever it is. Um, about the low box office scores, the fact that it was the second lowest rated um, Rotten Tomato score uh, in the MCU, and his his quote is his name's uh uh, what's, uh Jeff Loveness. and keep in mind Jeff Loveness is two stories today. Uh, he's also writing um K- the Kang Dynasty. Oh my god! He came from Rick and Morty. So that that should shed some light on some of the stuff. We're, Why some we're of the stuff? Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, this is his quote. So in re- uh, remarks on you know the low um, critic score and, and uh, the historic drop off in week two, right? Because it, yeah. it dropped more than seventy percent in the second week, which has never happened for a Marvel movie. Uh, he said, uh, "To be honest, those re- reviews took me by surprise." Loveness recently told the Daily Beast. Uh, Quantum uh, Let's see I was in a pretty low spot uh, Those were not good reviews And I was like What the bleep uh, I'm really proud of what I wrote For Jonathan Bajers And Michelle Pfeiffer I thought it was good stuff You know And and so <laughs> I was just despondent And I was really sad about it Aww. And Man, then Don't you feel bad about yourself Brian? Then He said I'm like God damn No the reviews are wrong. I'm right.
0: <laughs> the movie was great. All right. He's sobered up. So, he loved it, was, it.
1: So he's decided that the critics, all the critics were wrong. <laughs> all of the viewers that put in reviews on Rotten Tomatoes were wrong that didn't like it. He was right. The movie's great. Leave him alone. Yeah, just leave him alone, people.
2: Yeah, just leave him alone, man. Okay.
1: Nothing wrong with that. Okay. Nothing to see. Him. It's a great movie. <clears throat> You're all wrong, which is, well, you know, that's probably the right take for a director. You know, <laughs> everybody else is wrong. I'm right. right. Yeah. Yeah. It works in so many ways. But, uh, and then on the heels of that, um, in another interview for, that he did for comicbook.com, he said, King of C is going to be its own thing. Neither the Fantastic Four or the X-Men will appear in the movie. <sighs>
0: wow. I mean, so that, I mean, again, f- if FF and X Men aren't going to be around until 25, 26 or something like that, I mean, we may not be around by the time we get yeah. to see the Fantastic Four on the big screen again.
1: This is the actual quote. No, I think that all that stuff is pretty far away. I know they're making Fantastic Four, but that's its own thing. I mean, look, I'm the biggest X Men guy in the world. No, I think that's being saved for a bit, but these Avengers are in trouble. They got, they got a lot going on with Terry. Uh, they got more They're than incredible. enough to handle So uh, here's my question How do you do a Kang movie Without Fantastic Four Right yeah
2: I, I agree
1: Right I mean because <clears throat> Pumar, Who is Kang He's Immortus who,
2: who Actually Immortus premiered before Kang did
0: Right, right. What's, the, what's the FF connection there
2: Oh I'm sorry he is an ancestor Of Reed Richards
0: Ancestor or, or descendant? Pre, uh, uh, a pre, yeah, a pre-pre ancestor. I don't know. Yeah, I got, yeah. <laughs> my
2: bad. My bad. Descendant. Yes. Yeah. He's Nathaniel Richards is who he is. That's who he is. So. And that's who he is. And it was a descendant of Reed Richards. You know, at first when they started it, it was kind of alluded that it was Reed Richards' father, but then they kind of—I think they kind of backtracked on that and made him just a descendant.
1: But, yeah, so, I mean, that's disappointing right there. Like, I don't know how you don't have Kang and Fantastic Four or Reed and, and, and Kang at the same time. Ah. <clears throat> um, Yeah, and it just goes back to, I mean, how long have you been waiting for – take X-Men out of the picture. Like, right. because X-Men – uh, okay, like, we get it. They were still wrapping stuff. They still had movies in production when the whole Fox merger happened. Right. But Fantastic Four, it's been uh, ready to be, like, you know, acted upon for five, six years now. That's great. And crazy. we got nothing. We got nothing, so.
0: Except yeah. for uh, Reed Richards' appearance uh, uh, in Captain, uh, Captain Strange. <laughs> um, yeah, Captain Strange. Captain Strange. Strange. But yeah, it is kind of odd. Again, you 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 think of what a massive machine that Marvel slash Disney is, and they still just seem like they do not have a plan. I mean, we've said that multiple times. They it's sort of like it seems like you would have your own department. Focused on Fantastic Four, right, and that oh. depar- a department of like fifteen or twenty people casting, right, coming up with storylines over the for the next ten years or whatever type stuff. It just seems bizarre that they can't get their uh, asses in gear on that for some reason.
2: Yeah, but I honestly believe that they're they're waiting just to beat the the Avenger side of the Marvel universe to death to a point oh, that where they ain't can't far away. According to Brian, I mean, it's here. It's yeah. right here, and then this next, next phase after this one I, I think is going to be an all Fantastic Four phase where you're not going to see any of what we've seen before and they're going to concentrate. I mean, there is a whole... You can make a whole universe based on the Fantastic Four. You you know, you've yeah. got their space villains, you've got their, um, you know, Doctor Doom and his whole thing. I mean, there is so much you can do with Fantastic Four that heroes that we haven't seen, you can do a, a correct in humans. I mean... Yeah. So much she can do with it. So I think, honestly, they're just the next phase that they do is just going to be totally devoted to Fantastic Four, and that's going to be the Avengers of that phase. You know, you're not going to see they're going to lay off the Avengers for a while, right?
0: Yeah, but uh, again,
1: well, now's the time to when we're when we're dealing with like you know the Great Lakes Avengers. We're struggling. We're struggling. Now's the time to lay off the Avengers, you know, and, and give uh, some of these other characters a chance to to build um, instead of just throwing them back into, like, a team movie. Uh, and this is probably a good time to talk about this. Um, have PMR and I talked about this, Brad? I don't think you and I have talked about this, but a lot of – there's been a lot of kind of, like, it's bubbling underneath. It's You can infer stuff, uh, but there's been quotes from Bob Iger specifically uh, yeah. about – Ike Perlmutter, right? Right. <clears throat> and Ike Perlmutter was the CFO of Marvel. He came in in the mid-90s when Marvel, after Marvel, Marvel filed bankruptcy, and him and Avi Arad bought the company. Right. right. And PMR, correct me if I'm getting any of this stuff wrong, but he and I, Avi Arad and Ike Perlmutter was an owner, too. They bought Marvel, and Ike Perlmutter famously is the one that just blasted out their, their branding on everything. You could buy popsicles, bed sheets, you <laughs> know, uh, um, uh, condoms. Uh, condoms. Everything had Marvel on them in the nineties, right? And so he would license it everywhere to anyone that would pay him the licensing fee.
0: Says right? says the man that's sitting in a chair with the uh, the back of it says Marvel. By the that's way, that's right. Thanks, Ike. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, oh, Ike. Sweet irony. So, um, but, so uh, apparently there was a coup, um, or an attempted coup
1: on the Disney board back in 2021. Apparently, um, Perlmutter, uh, tried to leverage the board and take over the board and it failed. And now I, I, he's, he's still on the board, but he's been relegated to, uh, you know, the kitty table. So, it was unsuccessful, but in all of this, uh, it's come to light that Perlmutter tried to get Feige fired in 2015 hmm. because Feige was under Perlmutter, right? Cause it was, Perlmutter was the head of Marvel. Iger was the head of Disney, right? Kathleen Turner was the head of the star Wars division, right? And, uh, Kathleen Turner, Kathleen, uh, Kennedy, Kathleen Turner.
0: That would be totally different <laughs> Star Wars viewers. <universe. laughs> um, so Han Solo, uh, come here <laughs> <Mojura>. <laughs> Uh
1: So, but apparently Perlmutter and Feige couldn't get along and, and Iger created A job Outside of that That hierarchy so that Feige could work uh, Autonomously from Perlmutter it's twenty fifteen. So you're kinda of like, well, the listener may be like, Well, who cares? Yeah, this is why you care. When when all this stuff went down with Perlmutter and Feige, we were midway through phase three, or just beginning phase three, but the scripts were in, directors were hired, casting had been done, you know, years before for the majority of this. We were we were full steam ahead on phase three, right? And the big point of contention is Pearl Mutter had uh, a, board, a committee and they, they called it the Marvel Creative Committee. And on the committee was um, uh, Bendis was on the committee. Oh, who the heck else? Let's see. Oh, man, I had this written down. <laughs> but uh, several people were on the committee and basically they were all from the comics end. Right. So, if you want to talk about like why Phase One, Two, and Three were so tight and a lot of it shared DNA with the comics, is because of the Marvel Creative Committee, hmm. right? Um, but they started butting heads, and and so written, writing this in, um, you know, twenty twenty three, uh, it's well, uh, these people. Oh, they didn't know what they were doing. Look what they almost had Feige do. And so these are the examples of things that they, that uh, Feige fought with them over. Uh, they did not, uh, originally like the seventies infused soundtrack for, uh, guardians of the galaxy. Right. Did we get it? Yes, we got it. Right. Uh, they also didn't like America's civil, uh, Captain America civil wars fight between the Marvel heroes. Uh, they <clears throat> wanted it to end with a fight between the Avengers and five super soldiers. Right. Right. Still have the, so, but again, that's like the old Marvel team up thing. Right. The two heroes fight each other. They realize the actual bad guy. They turn on that. They team up and take out the actual bad guy. That's that's comic book 101. I can see them pushing for that. But again, they didn't do it right. They they still let Civil War be Iron Man versus Cap. Right. Uh, Black Panther, Ava uh, DuVernay was offered the role as director, but then walked away due to not being able to have her own vision. Uh <clears throat> The associate that's they also kind of attribute, um, oh, what's his face? Uh, from Shaun of the Dead, um,
0: right, whatever, right, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. uh, <clears throat> oh my god, and right as leaving Ant Man because of that, <laughs> and then, uh, they also said that, uh, part of the, um, one of the better one of the things that they fought for and lost is the fact that they wanted Vision and Dra- Drax the Destroyer to be stronger than they actually are in the movies, and that was something they lost as well. So, but here's the thing: having checks and balances and having editorial for the first three phases of the movie, uh, I re- probably reined in Kevin Feige, hmm. and now and now we from don't have that and- on. Everybody's yeah. going crazy. From now, yeah, we don't. Now we don't have that. Feige can do whatever he wants, and you've got a little, little bit of that George Lucas syndrome where nobody's going to tell him it's a bad idea. Nobody's right. going to challenge yeah. him, and that's why we're getting diminishing returns in Phase Four and, and, and the beginning of Phase Five.
0: And, <coughs> and I, I know we, we do have our, our special guests waiting in the green room here, but but Brian, the other part of the news, I'm sure that you're, this is going to lead into it. Is uh, some canceled projects over in the the Disney slash Marvel slash Star Wars world involving right. Kevin Feige, right?
1: Yeah, so Kevin Feige was supposed to have his own Star Wars movie um, that's been canceled, and they've uh, officially canceled the Patty Jenkins Rogue Fi- uh, Rogue Squadron movie. So both of those are completely—they're not so in, they're in development right. any longer. So,
3: so what did, is
0: what do the what do the listeners need to interpret from Feige's getting his? Again, this was a guy that ten whatever ten years ago uh, was on top of the world as far as like creative studios and everything. Now they're like, nah, we don't think you need a Star Wars project, right?
1: Right, right. Well, he needs to focus on on getting mar- riding the ship with Marvel,
0: <clears throat> right? Or are they but, just saying, you know what, you've not been putting it out that well, so we're not going to give you more, right? Right, right. And and here's the thing,
1: we've said this for years. Like the part of the issue the part of the problem with the comic books, really from like the the early two thousands on, when Casada came into Marvel, right? Editorial went out the window. So you didn't have you had all these storylines that were untethered. Any writer could do anything they wanted. There was no oversight. There was no editorial. And you'd have stories that creators that just bombed and they're just they're They're not even, they're, they, they didn't hold up. They weren't good to read then. Nobody's ever going to read them now and they don't connect to the other books. So editorial is important for the comics. They had that in place for phase one, two, and three, got rid of it. And I think you can see, you know, what that's caused. So and then, yeah, and uh, bringing it full circle, Feige and, and Patty Jenkins are both both their Star Wars projects have been scuttled. So,
0: <laughs> but you know, uh, somehow or another uh, somewhat fan favorite, Ta 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 Kiki Wakiki, his his Star Wars project still lives on, even though people were not so enamored with Love and Thunder. So, I don't know.
1: No, yeah, his his made the cut, but yeah, Love and Thunder was not great. So,
0: yeah. So look at this. I mean, that was kind of, that should have been kind of more of a special investigation segment instead of news, Brian. Yeah, probably you so. Put, you, you put a lot the... of, you put a little legwork on that one.
1: I appreciate that, Brett. Yeah, I appreciate that.
0: One last thing, just a quick
1: tidbit. This is not. Uh, uh, we do have some casting news, I guess. Uh, Daredevil: Born Again. They've, oh, yeah. they've announced that Punisher is returning. Yeah. John Barenthal is returning. <laughs> Old Man Punisher. <laughs> <laughs> However, Debrae and Wall, uh, who is Karen Page, and Eldon Henson, who was Foggy Nelson, are not coming back for Born Again. Which I'm like, well, if, if Foggy's not in the... Okay, Karen, whatever. But if Foggy's not in the show, what the hell is this show going to even be about? Or are they just well,
0: recasting? <clears throat> I,
2: I just cannot wait to see Disney's handle on a uh, killer like the Punisher. I'm sure he's going to be shooting like Nerf for...
1: He's gonna going to have mouse ears for, uh, on the yeah. skull? <laughs> yeah.
2: <We'll laughs> I like guns, that. Mouse, <laughs> mouse ears on the... I mean, uh, I just cannot see how this is going to work, but we'll see. We'll
1: right. see. Right. Yeah, of the two, I would I would take Foggy. And here's the thing. The guy that played Foggy was perfect. That guy was fantastic as Foggy Nelson. Yeah. And, you know, we're not getting him back, so...
0: Oh well, that is that is it for the news. You can't have right? everything. You can't have everything with your uh, your daredevil there, Brian. I guess not. Um, cool. Yeah, my joke was uh, you know Daredevil's just going to be having a little conquest with other superhero with superhero women and twerking a lot. That's it's going to be kind of a yeah. fun a fun little dance party with Daredevil <laughs> and fun
2: Punisher. Daredevil.
0: How long do you think before D. Salian shows up? <laughs> oh God! <laughs> and he has to defend her defend his show <laughs> all right well hey listen again uh we promised you a guest uh and dear listener out there uh we intend the pod the pod man keep their promise we intend to deliver so let's go ahead and uh bring our guest in now and uh can you know figure out how to interview this person because obviously we don't know what we're doing when we come to interview but uh let's go get our guests down the hall and we'll be right back all right, and we're back and uh we we got our guest from the green room and uh so I want to introduce everybody to Buddy. Buddy, welcome aboard and welcome to the Pod Cave. Absolutely. I'm Buddy Fenathy. I I created Toy
3: Lana Joe Lana Great to be here. Thank you guys for having.
0: Me. No, we we appreciate it. Uh yeah, so uh, t- uh, Toy Lanta, and like you said, we'll, we'll get into the, the, the some nuances here between Toy Lanta and Joe Lanta, as you were telling us in the green room. Uh, but Toy Lanta is the kind that's coming up right around the corner. Uh, what is it? Next weekend or so, March twenty fourth uh, through twenty sixth, right? Yes, twenty fourth through the twenty sixth, uh,
3: and it really goes on before that. We've got people coming in from all over the world. To Toyland, uh, we've got folks from Scotland, we've got folks from Brazil, we got folks from Canada, Damn. and it's uh, grown into a real kind of international show. I and mean, we have a lot of fun, and uh, we are expanding a little bit this year in that there's such a growth in the Star Wars end of things that that we've kind of given them their own little section called the X Wing, uh, oh, no, and that's the cool. first we'll be there helping to to man the action and we'll have cosplayers all over the place uh, vehicle and figure diorama contests uh, a lot of great panels that's probably the strength this year in that we've got panelists that were designers for Kenner and panelists that were designers for Hasbro, wow. folks that were involved with a lot of older uh, properties but we also have the four horsemen joining us and the four horsemen, cool. preeminent toy designers in the industry, uh, and guys that really have their head on straight when it comes to business, uh, and the way they ensure their business is strong fan relations. You know, they just seem to be great with their outreach. Uh, so those are just some of the panels we have. Uh, charity auctions, we have concerts. I mean, I've even had Larry Hama on blues guitar up there. So. <laughs> You know, be much better than that, Larry. likes slinging that axe, brother.
0: Wow, that's fantastic. So let's let's make sure we get we get all the pertinent details up front here. So, Toylanta, March twenty fourth to twenty sixth. Where's Where's this going to be at for for listeners in Atlanta area or outside? If we have some listeners in Brazil, you're more than welcome to come as well. But where's this going to be at? This is at
3: the uh, Hilton in Norcross, Georgia. Uh, South one forty one. Uh, that's Peachtree Industrial for the uninitiated. It <laughs> splits, it's a little bipolar out towards uh, uh, the Henteland. Uh But right at that split, we're in the Castle on the Hill, brother. Oh, it's okay. a, a Hilton, uh, great environment, and that kind of beautiful park like area out there. And um, this is our second show out there. Before that, we'd done it at a uh, uh, Hilton in uh, Marietta. And it just seemed like it was so far from the airport for people. It, it, oh, okay. Even probably, you know, lengthwise, it's not really that much further. Uh, there's something about the energy of being closer to the perimeter and being closer to town. And we get a lot of uh, a lot of people that'll meet halfway like that. You know, they'll come into town. They want to go all the way. We're right there, man. You guys come on out. And the energy in a show like this is such a boutique energy because there's really not a show like this because we emphasize the creativity in the hobby. Right, right. We do the artifacts of the hobby. We've been, you know, merciless in promoting, you know, mid level manufacturing in the hobby. You know, we think that's the way to ensure that we'll always have what we need. Gotcha, and, yeah.
0: and you know you, you mentioned the hobby here. What what is the hobby? So what you know, who is interested in Toy Lanta? What's this going to appeal to? Because some people may see, hear Toy Lanta and think that oh well, uh, I got to take my kid to the to the toy show, right? This isn't yeah. necessarily for that. It, it it can include kids, but not necessarily exclusively, right? Absolutely, it's an all ages show
3: with appeal built in for everybody of all ages. And we go to we make make sure it's the nicest environment we can get. It's you know, one of the premier Hilton's in town. It's uh and the people that we have volunteering for us are doing this out of love. I've got an army of cats that are just killing themselves, my friend Jim Marinetti, Steve Charlton, uh and our guys Ricky and Bambi who are just the heart and soul of the marketing and organization of the whole thing. And when a show is ran out of a real sincere love for the multi-genres of collectibles. And, And we like deep diving into those collectibles. We like knowing who designed what. We like knowing, you know, who's into what and matching them up together. I like creatives. But I really like the public meeting creatives. I think it's a special glimpse. I don't think... You know, innovation it's, it's, it's that we're trying to make it.
2: I know one of the things I I, I went to, I think, my first toy land like two years ago and was the dioramas there. They they the creativity that some of these people put in to those dioramas were incredible. I mean, they were just I, I mean, fun to look at and just you could stare at them for hours and and then still see details that you never saw before in them. I mean, they just really do some incredible work with those things.
3: Well, the passion, it's an art form that we recognize as an art form. You know, that's one of the unique things is people don't know that the art of diorama is so much more than slapping a few things together. It is the heart of storytelling at a singular moment telling that story. And so it's very specific, but... You know, depending on the talent of the dioramas, you can get masterpieces. And that's been a thrust of one of the charities that we feature is the Cody Lane Foundation. They're aiming towards building a, 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 toy, a toy and diorama museum here in town. And we've been giving oh. them, you know, for 15 years, uh, you know, have really tried to take the resources we have, make them work inside the community and organize the community because the community is not just toy dealers, the community people that are uh, taking these things and they're cultivating their knowledge on the background of it. They're adding their imagination with their kit bashing to it and they're taking it and it's becoming through the art of curation, a, a self portrait of that person. You know, just like great sculpture is a portrait of the person who sculpted it, right, right. And that's a long neglected, long overlooked, and underappreciated art form. And the people that you saw a couple of years ago, uh, that Kraken diorama. I was.
2: That's the one I'm thinking of right now. I was just going to say that Kraken diorama
3: was unbelievable. My gardener, local artist, spent a year. Working on that diorama wow, I, would have
2: said, I would have thought maybe two or three years Because it
3: was incredible The detail in it was just insane Well we had a leg up on that one uh, Shane Morton Who was the head of special wow. effects Your pretty face is going to hell Professor Morte, You guys probably know him I, I, I go to all of his spook shows He is the greatest man Me and Shane have been out Since we were both disreputable children and, uh, and it's been <laughs> amazing to see his evolution through the years. He's a huge supporter of Lana, Lana. He's going to be there this year doing whatever he can do to, to add flavor and spice to it. Uh, well, that's cool. It, it, he's an example of somebody who took their passion and turned it into a profession yeah. through being inspired by great artists like Bernie Wrights and uh, Richard Corbin and guys like that. And we're hoping to spread that same kind of inspiration to younger artists who, you know, happen to be collectors, but that they'll know there really is a world inside of this to be explored. And whether you do it for money or you do it out of passion, you should explore that. Right, right. You know, and to know that you like that Kraken, that year of his effort was amazing to watch. And oh it was so-
2: man! It, it was it was awesome. I mean, that that was such a cool setup.
3: Absolutely, Shane loaned us those tentacle molds from your pretty face mm-hmm. until hell. No, really? he's <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> wow. incredible. He's hey. the greatest guy. I mean, just just phenomenal. If anybody ever gets a chance to see Shane Morton as Professor Morte at the Silver Screen Spook Show, they should because it really is a love affair with horror.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. We've uh, we started going to them sometime or another last year or the year before last. I forgot. And they uh, went to the one uh, a few weeks ago. I guess it was King Kong, and then the Wolfman is coming up next. We'll we'll have to figure out how to get Shane on the show uh, <laughs> next time. And I've I've, I've seen him and, and met him uh, you know briefly at Monster Monster Con. Uh, as oh, yeah. well, so... Yeah, so anyway. If you were at Monster
3: Drama, did you see the Maker guys? Oh,
0: yeah, definitely.
3: You- okay, well, the Maker guys have an expanded setup with us, and it's not just the Maker guys, who are Steve Bug and Clay yeah. Sayer. I get the guest star on some of that stuff sometimes, but the group of people that are surrounding them now, Tony at uh, Galagio and uh, Sawyer... Sawyer. Oh, my God. Sawyer is Sawyer Gosnell is one of the most incredible guys. I got to be a part of the operation. He works for the engineer guy. We were makeup and mold making supply movies. And uh, and Sawyer is a mad scientist.
0: Uh, He's yeah, he's great. And very very generous with his knowledge as well. Which now
2: is, now Brad Brad dabbles in mold making and stuff and doing maths and stuff. That's yeah,
0: been, we,
3: that's kind of like his passion there. Yeah, we,
0: I've, t- I've totally uh, you know visited the engineer guys or Reynolds uh, Materials or whatever it's called nowadays several times. So uh, yeah, absolutely. Cool well,
3: you guys might like to know that that Gukon that was a part of the engineer guy, yeah, is going a show at the next Jolana. It'll oh, partner okay. with Jolana. So that's going to be geared towards special effects artists, makeup artists, uh, anybody who is interested in learning how professionals own their craft. There's going to be cats that are you know, Emmy Award winners, Academy Award winners, and they're going to be there because they never get a chance to show their stuff. It's amazing. And Thank Nelson here guys gonna he's he's helping us run the thing so he is amazing
0: well all that diorama stuff and special effects stuff which is right up my alley sounds fantastic buddy uh but again this is toy lanta so i'm assuming there's going to be a boatload of toys and collectibles there and that's really up brian's alley absolutely well brian what are you into man uh pretty much anything i had as a child
1: i've I've committed to collecting now over the years uh the 90s the yeah i uh, know 80s so 80s. yeah so i've got uh my first love was like you gi joe uh three and three quarters though right yeah. um so real american hero i've got I'm probably 95 percent complete uh up to like 94 uh, or you know when it started getting to the, the uh D.E.A. stuff and the Bio Warriors and all that, you know, the gaudy no, looking. I
3: doubted by the time everybody else dropped out.
1: Yeah, right. so, so none of that stuff I feel the need to collect. Um, Masters of the Universe. Um, I'm only missing the Moss Man from the fanta- from the uh, Four Horsemen series. Right. Oh,
3: man. Well, you might be able to pick it up.
1: Yeah, and and you mentioned like like for people that may not know the importance of four horse the four horsemen. Yeah, they, and correct me if I'm wrong, buddy, but they started at McFarland Toys as sculptors for McFarland, McFar- correct? Absolutely, they were the backbone, and they broke off with that Masters of the Universe 2001 2002 show, uh, and and did a line, and a lot of people consider those the best Masters of the Universe figures ever made. I, I, um, absolutely, tons the- of detail. Sculpted, no, they articulate. They don't have tremendous articulation, but you don't need it. They're they're mini statues sitting on the shelf. Uh, and then uh, later on, they move. More recently,
3: they're in Mythic Legion. They've started doing yeah. the Mythic Legion Myth- stuff. Le- has lit a fire. I mean, there's rabid Mythic Legion fans. This is their third year coming over with us. Oh my god, these guys—they're volunteers, and they they come and work for these cats, You know. And they love this stuff. Enthusiasm is amazing, and that is not something that a personalityless cabal can make happen. Right? That's, that's a show where personality fired into what you're doing, and a little bit of bravado. You know, they really revolutionized how people looked at the toy designers. They applied what happened in the comics industries with artists gaining a name. You know, with the whole Kirby Ditko era, you know, stuff being, uh, you know, credited, they were like, well, we're working for a comics company. Shouldn't we get credit? I agree with it, man. It's a, it's a great thing. And they really just empowered independent creators. What's you exactly? And so to Brad and
1: Ron, who don't collect nearly as much as I do, the unique thing about Myth, Mythic Legion is they're highly detailed incredibly well sculpted figures on their own but in all the figures they've take details from other toy lines and weave them into the figures and all the figures can be you know pulled apart destructed uh-huh. parts can be swapped so now not only do you have like a really cool figure you can take pieces of that figure and create a custom figure probably a better version of a uh well, well uh, a G.I. Joe figure. Right? Or a better version of female. they figure.
3: sculpt stuff, aren't they, man? They're they're really on top of it. Yeah. I, yeah. I, they're, so, they're looking at it with an eye like that. I love that kind of you know, here's the secret combo. Yeah. Everybody yeah, it. it is. It's like a secret Definitely. combo. It's like a it, so like I, the the only one
1: I've really done is they did that Medusa figure a few years back. Yeah uh, and the tail can come off and you could put it right on globulus from G.I. Joe, right? And that's an articulated tail that'll support his body instead of just being that rubber dog toy sort of thing. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. So um, yeah, really cool. Mythic Legion, ha- having them there
3: is, is really really cool. Uh, that's that's really amazing. the first confirmation of what we've been doing this kind of work, and we've been encouraging like a lot of 3D printer interaction in the toy industry. We literally give you know 3D printers away to some creators and other supplies they might need because we want to see this stuff flourish. Yeah, We're going to be the first generation to, to dodge that up and down of a collectible's lifespan because a collectible will go out of life if nobody's making it. You know, it'll drop from mm-hmm. and not have any heck out. But, man, with all these cats making stuff, I mean – we're never going to run out of it if we won and we're happy with 3 d printed, but there are some people that just aren't happy with the fake well, and now since you said that
1: right yeah um, I just recently parted out a, a night striker wow. right yeah, but I don't have the balance um, so I had 3 d printed, but then I found a guy that'll do injection molded and oh. and the injection yeah. molded are, like, if you get right on top of it, you can tell they're not original. But from a foot away, you can't tell that this isn't all original parts.
3: Look, I, I don't even have problems with the 3D printed parts, man. I'm a toy paloy. I'm all down with making the best of what you got. Take yeah. what you can find and make it as good as you want it to be. Or take it and make it as bad as you want it to be. Oh, yeah. yeah. And use it as a form of self-expression. But what you've just done is, you put your art of curation into that toy. That's psychic energy, brother, and it means something to you. And you will always, use it if it means something to you. Uh, I can't go through any of these boxes without getting stuck for a half hour looking at cool <laughs> stuff. Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm the same it, way. It, oh, it, it's, and then
1: uh, I'll have that that moment where um, I'm like, I totally forgot. I owned this, right? Oh, for and worse. then it's like
3: bought it twelve times.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so that recently happened with um, the Remco Universal Monsters.
3: Oh, wow. and so
1: so now, and those predate GI Joes for me, oh, yeah. Absolutely. right? Absolutely. But uh, so now it's like I gotta get the carry case, you know, the monster. Um, uh, what's, it, what's it called? The play case, right? Yeah. The, so
0: front. Uh, and so you that's can't, like you can't just Grail. put it in the the Darth Vader uh head plague uh play case, Brian. Come oh, on. Oh Brad. Okay, the play fine. Play
1: case it had like uh, a little like a flipping um uh uh table for to put Frankenstein on, right? It had like a coffin for Dracula. It it, it closed up and but it was made like a trapper keeper. Right. So that plastic <laughs> did not hold up well. Ah. Man, so well, finding a good one is tough, and all those, all those, uh, uh, you know, coffin doors and tables and all that stuff was all cardboard. Oh yeah. So finding one that's in good shape that's that's going to be a challenge. But but I picked up the glow in the dark mummy and the glow in the dark Frankenstein, the glow in the dark creature, and the glow in the dark um, Dracula.
3: Good uh, lord, you we were on a street, brother. Yeah, yeah. He's, so
0: Brian's Brian's a little nutty about it. Hey, I, well. <laughs> uh, we're
3: doing uh, one of the stats that we're doing as exclusives at Atlanta this year is a a two pack remake of the AHI space apes. Yeah, um, these were they're, they're like hard to find knockoffs of the Planet of the Apes stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and so we just remade them. You know, if you if somebody else, if they love their Mego, they love their their Remco, <laughs> their A. Uh, these these are the monkeys for you, and uh, with the the monsters, you know those monsters. That version of the Universal monsters was probably the most charming version of those monsters. You know, they were great monsters, uh, but they were just goofy enough to to take you out of the horror mindset. You know,
1: yeah, but I mean, the Wolfman looks like Michael Landon Wolfman. It does. <laughs> the, the, the va- The, uh, you know, the, um, uh, Dracula looks like Bella Lugosi, right? So it's, yeah, the, um, but again, like that was, I remember getting that for Christmas when I was probably like six years old and And totally forgot I ever even owned them until I came across them. And I'm like, now I got to get them all, which is is nice because there's only like seven figures in the set and then
0: the play case.
1: So that's, that's one I can, I can knock out. Not like my Joe collection that took you know, a decade.
0: Yeah. Now for, for for buddy's knowledge now. So GI Joe was really, Brian is our resident GI Joe expert. Okay. So, uh, so I, I know right now we're kind of talking about toy Lanta coming up on uh, March 24th there in Atlanta, of course. Uh, But you do, you did mention a little bit about Joe Lanta, uh, and I want to kind of get into the, the difference there is one kind of uh, more for collectors of only Joe stuff or or other toys or whatever. Uh, but, Brian, I mean, just name what, what's that huge thing, that god awful uh, uh, table, <laughs> the USS flag, the, the, USS <laughs> flag the, the end table that you have that's called a G.I. Joe uh, end table. Right. Oh, yes, yes. Greg,
3: have you built the uh, undercarriage for it? Now? I have.
1: Uh, yeah, I went and, and, uh, if anybody wants to know an easy way of doing it, I can, I can loop you in, but, uh, yeah, I did it about a year ago. So, you got it a year ago? No, no, I built the, the baseboard a year ago. Baseboard a year ago. And yeah. So I went and went to those. I got a, a, a plywood sheet, uh, one of the better, but it's still wafer board, but one of the better heavy duty ones, but they make that, um, Glue wood um, tape, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I, I I laid out my my deck. The hardest part was was making sure I gave enough purchase for the the tower, right? Yeah. And the, and and laid it out, drew it out, cut it out, figured out where I needed to put the uprights, right? I used that that glue tape, that heat tape, and an iron, right? Yeah. To give it a, that, that good edge. Uh, I put casters under it. I took the, uh, you know, you had the the long piece of plastic that was supposed to be the faux, you know, bottom of the ship. Yeah. Right. Uh, I took that up to Lowe's and had them color match it. Right.
3: <laughs> uh, and. Uh, <laughs> I You're the ha- man, dude. You are the man. It, took, awesome. me, it took me the weekend,
1: <laughs> but it was. Not much of the weekend. The big, well, the you biggest part of-
2: kept asking about me. Where's Daddy? Yeah, that
0: that was that was the big part of the weekend. Was his children wondering what happened to him? But that's okay. Get out of
3: the garage. <laughs> well, it's uh, it, that yeah. that is investing in the world, though, brother. You're building that world out. Yeah, that's and tough. I can fit
1: I can fit about ten vehicles underneath. I've got the bulk of my Joe's on the deck. Uh, and then I got my cobras on a bookshelf with the the Terridrome at the bottom uh, of it Wow so, yeah. now if
3: you park the uh, shuttle the shuttle complex on there you, you well
1: to- I had the shuttle
3: yeah. um,
1: uh, I got rid of it because I started running out of space and uh my uh gantry doors were, were broken it was, mm-hmm. it was cracked yeah and replacing the gantry door was gonna be like at like eight hundred dollars. And so I, I ended up letting my. And, and honestly, the the uh, Defiant was a little after my time anyway.
3: What I really would want, I want the, all the three and three quarter was after my time. But those <laughs> places, like slices of a world come to life. Yeah. Nobody ever got closer. I mean, there are places today that are great, but nobody ever just tabbed into the zeitgeist of a generation of kids like they did when they started pulling out stuff like the Defiant shuttle complex, the USS flag, uh, any number of a terror. I drum. think it probably started with the whale though, for GI Joe. Absolutely. That was a cool vehicle, no matter how you cut it. Yeah. This, well, I mean the Skystriker, yes.
1: Cause the extended wings and that sort of thing. But I think where everybody kind of like was, uh, you know, Holy cow, uh, not uh, collect, obviously collectors now, but you know, when you're talking about, you know, the Hasbro designers is all the love they kind of put into the killer whale. Uh, and, and what a toy could be, Yeah, you know, with the, with the fan blades and, and, and the, the launching sled and the, you know, the, the, um, uh, the door, you know, the, the ramp folding out, having the motorcycle, having the depth charges, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. just the
3: having whale. The, having, the, having the ab rolls, you know <laughs> So all yeah. all of, all that of this, more than any of them.
0: All of this stuff, guys, I probably was aware of at some point, uh, but again. Uh, do you think we can find some of this stuff uh, at uh, Toylanta, buddy? Is uh, you know how how collectible is stuff? Uh, you know, can we can you go there and just buy you know like oh this is cool? I think I'll I'll pick this up from my memory. But are you going to have some hardcore collectible stuff there too? The gamut of it from the fifties on
3: up, with a real emphasis on late sixties, early seventies through to today, and. There is no telling what's going to show up. I've seen USS flags disassembled show up in packing boxes. There I've was a graded
1: me. one last year that was going for about what thirty thousand. Holy moly! that what it, it was?
3: Yeah, yeah, it was getting on up there. It was. It was kind of crossing my eyes. It was in such rarefied air. Uh, but it it is an array of and since it's line it's far broader than the action figures. You got. My Little Pony dealers, we've got Japanese-specific intellectual property dealers. We've got uh, people that uh, really kind of lean towards the horror stuff and the movie poster stuff. Uh, a lot of uh, 3D printer guys are coming in now and get booths. I'd say there's at least four or five cats that are going to be selling 3D printed goods there. And those. that's always a great opportunity to nail the dude you need for that one piece that you haven't got. Ah. Uh, that's that's uh it's kind of a a a free form of what's going to happen but you can count on star wars you can count on gi joe count on motu you can count on the hell you can count on my little pony brother it's crazy (laughs) uh but have such an array of dealers and these dealers seem to really like this crowd and this crowd seems to like that mix of dealers they the array of stuff just keeps people going around and round, uh, and this this hotel is such a nicely laid out hotel that now it's we didn't have to divide it between two floors. We're all up one floor, and uh, like I said, with people that get the packages, they get uh, the the they get their choice between the two ape figures or ca- a reproduction of Captain Zargon, a really rare action man uh, piece cool. from the eight. Uh, Zargon was the coolest reptilian space yeah. pirate, and brother. <laughs> I mean, he was, he was, he was definitely a foil for Action Man Space Rangers. But now, I thought it was such a great, you know, concept of figure for him, and they're so hard to find. That's what we really like to reproduce. It's hard to find stuff, or to pay homage to more, because by the time we're finished with them, they've been resculpted. You know, no doubt about it. Right. And it's a, a literal uh, way of keeping that that Christmas morning you were talking about earlier alive, because we're all trying to capture that same buzz. That's no. a buzz. We've been chasing in our whole life. <laughs> That's well, right, buddy.
1: Well, let me uh, ask you this, or kind of comment on this too. You're going to get what I've seen in the past is you get uh, dealers there from like the Midwest the and and huge toy stores from the midwest will actually set up in the show like toy department they yeah. were
3: there last year right are they going to be there again this oh, year uh, i think they are with us again this year we haven't had kokomo toys in a few years i really like to get those guys back because and roma <laughs> has been there before too right oh, right always had a great uh great relationship with those guys they come m- most years every once in a while they'll have to skip but there's so many shows out there. It's such a steep competition for where vendors want to spend their money. But year after year, they seem to, to come back to us. And they keep coming back with their A game. you know. And we're so much more. There are other shows around. But I don't think there's anything that captures the heart of a collector like this one. I don't think uh, anything uh, can come close to the, the spirit of the thing. Because we're always working on it. Every, I literally, I spent three hours on the phone with it today. Uh, Just, you know, trying to think like we're the person coming in. What's going to make this thing worth it? What's going to make me excited about it? And that's not just walking into a room and seeing a bunch of toys thrown around, although I'm thrilled by that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes you find some really good stuff there, right? Just a room full of toys and boxes.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, Brad. Like to the to the, to the point and what I was making about toy department, right? Toy department. Uh, they had like ten tables, I think, against the back wall, and they had. Here's the thing. This is this is secret sauce sort of stuff. Both Roma, toy department, and Kokomo are all midwestern stores. Um, I know Roma and and toy department are. Kokomo is too, right, uh, buddy? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so, with those stores, with for whatever reason, there's a wealth of 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 the of of stuff that you don't see on the east and west coast. Uh, interesting, right? So, so, uh, toy department had probably ten tables set up, and they had like, not counting figures, not counting figures, they probably had three hundred to four hundred vehicles, GI Joe vehicles set up there. Stacked, right? They
3: were stacked,
1: brother. Just stacked. Um, Roma, right? Roma um, was it? Uh, th- and what they'll do is they'll st- they'll stock up for these shows, and it'll be yeah. stuff they don't put in their own store. They'll bring it to these shows. Roma la- um, at Joe Fest, which we went to last summer, uh, he had like two hundred uh, Blue Ninjas, the Blue Ninja mail-aways, Uh which are very hard to find figure. He had two hundred of them in <laughs> all, varying prices, uh, conditions, and 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 it's like just seeing, you know, one of those figures is hard enough to see a case with 200. And you're picking which one is is going to meet your price point at the quality that you want it to. That's that's like unheard of. Those are the type of vendors that you get at this show.
3: It, it's a very rarefied. I, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking. We toured the Midwest before and and I think the secret to why they got so much good stuff is they got six generations of stuff stored in those Midwestern barns. (laughs) Yep. Lucky enough to get cracked open, it's like opening up King Tut's tomb. (laughs) (laughs) And you can never tell when somebody's going to hit a mother load in the Midwest. Yeah. Yeah. In the upper Midwest. And these are the kind of dealers that they'll, they'll find that stuff there, hoard it for a minute and a half, and they'll bring it on down. Because there is such a variety of collectors in this area. Atlanta is a pop culture town. No matter how much it wants to hide behind uh, sports, music, whatever it wants to say, it's a toy collecting town and a pop culture collecting town. Right. People, pop culture has been my life and my career, my whole life. And and the the fickleness of pop culture is... It, it's a tough thing to nail down, but these guys have to practice. These vendors have to, to almost be, be you know, creskin, and reading <laughs> the future. Worth it because they'll be sitting on twenty thousand dollars worth of, you know, a beanie baby when the bottom falls out of that
0: stuff. Yeah. Um, so, pod Podman pod Ron, I remember when you used to have a boatload of beanie babies, but you never were sitting on quite that much no, uh, valued no, no. ones. <laughs>
2: I personally was not collecting. Bean no,
0: beans. let's was, let's clarify one. that. Clear it up, right? Yeah, now. yeah.
2: No, that was just Dang. at the stores.
0: That, <laughs> you know, interestingly
1: enough, interestingly enough, you know, just this week there was the the story that kind of uh, was in the papers that Funko is uh, <laughs> writing down thirty million dollars worth of million. Funko Pops, right, yeah. and sending them to a landfill. So, yeah, are, are Funko Pops, you know, about to pop? Is it? Are they the? Bean, you know. A lot of time, people have made Beanie Baby comparisons for years. Is this going to go the way of the Beanie Baby? So,
3: I I know what you're thinking, and I think much the same that they're cutting it off at of the pass. That yeah. they're that they're ensuring that they're not going to flood. <laughs> right. so they've they've over over inflation mark, and they just did that in the last eighteen months. I mean, I've been mm-hmm. watching these. Because they've done a great job, man, their sculpts are great, their, their production is great, uh, but they're, they they n- nobody has ever dealt in this m- much quantity of intellectual property.
2: yeah uh, uh, they get a license on everything
3: it they, like well, a lot of it's their speed to market, yeah, right
1: is uh, you can watch an episode of Loki, and then a month later there's you know a pop of the crocodile, right, right. It's like, well, how the <laughs> hell did they get that thing out so
0: fast? Right. You know, you know, they got spies. We all got spies. They're always listening. Someone's always listening. So, so Brian, we have you covered with, uh, with, uh, the GI Joe toys, buddy, you mentioned about Japanese imports. That's, that's where I get involved in. I love the, the Godzilla toys and stuff like that. But PMR, PMR is the vintage robot guy. So are, are we going to have some vintage robots at Toylanta?
3: There's, always vintage robots there i'm an alps robot guy are you an alps guy do you, do you collect the really old stuff
2: I, I would like to but i just can't afford the really old stuff i, I would i would kill to collect those but my
3: old man guy. just handed me that alps uh, television robot
2: wow well, uh, that yeah. is
3: premium powder code you know japanese tin yeah. from the 80s. you know it, it's just beautiful stuff Uh, The great thing about now is that uh, have you ever heard of Robot Hut out in the Midwest? No. Check his stuff out. He is the man, dude. Really? Yes. (laughs) Shut out. Guy has built, I mean, he's been involved with several larger projects to sell tribute versions of robots and stuff, but now he just makes his own on his 3D. No shit. That's cool. And he's got a 5,000 square foot building, and it is nothing but 10 robots. It is beautiful. Oh, wow. Pretty you. strong YouTube channel, so check them out on there.
2: Yeah, I definitely will. Yeah, I've, I've always liked the old classic retro robots, the Japanese stuff, the just stuff from the 50s and the 60s. I mean, that's, but like I said, it's, they're expensive,
3: as all good out. I, uh, I got into the habit of buying repops over the years, mm-hmm. I started in the 80s. Through the 80s and the 90s, into the early 2000s, uh, pr- primarily the early 2000s, there there became a, a, a wave of reproductions of the truly old robots. Right. And uh, they did the, – the the holy grail of robots is a, a group called the Gang of Five.
2: Uh, yep, I know exactly and, what you're talking about. But I think and, I've got the little mini versions of
3: those. Absolutely. There's, yeah. I don't, everybody's seen them. You just don't know what they're called.
2: Right, and, right.
3: That, <laughs> I've, has over the years come out, and even the reproductions I've sold for incredible money. And it's like there is a an allure to that lithograph tin, man. Oh, I love, yeah. Uh, uh, what's your favorite older robot? God,
2: you know, I like the. Uh, I'm gonna get. Is it Mister Atomic? Is it? Oh the,
3: yeah, Mister Atomic is a good. Man, but I mean, I love that the look of that. I mean, that's. Yeah so cool looking but that variation is all good out Al. that was alps i think as well right that was what that was an alps toy i think as well i think so yeah yeah the great thing is if there was an innovation the japanese had it first even though we invented right. and <laughs> right. you made it to market the lenticular printing you know the angled look at a picture and it looks holographic stuff from right. right. the yep. 70s They'd start putting that stuff in there, and then six months later, American producers would start whatever the Japanese were putting on as a special effect. Then you was good to go. <laughs> uh, and uh, but there were great ten police cars and spaceships, right. and the robots were fantastic. And then there was a falling off of it. And but I think there's a, a, like a, an impressed memory of toy robots in our culture now. Oh yeah. They, an owned one or not they know it's almost like a symbol of of something
2: you know even the even the plastic ones they start making like in the seventies and you know somewhat some in the eighties I, I love those too i've got a I got a few from the seventies when I was kid I, when I was a kid i still I still have some of
3: those well the so, great robot line to be personally being a kind of born in the sixties uh the zeroids Did you uh, yeah yeah. That sounds familiar. Yeah.
0: What,
3: we'll have to look there's that
0: actually,
3: one up. There's actually a connection between Captain Action and Xeroids and several other toys. Uh, but the main thing is Xeroids were compatible with 12-inch action figures of the time, and some of the you know the Amigo guys of the time. Uh, and it was uh, an ideal toy. Wow. And then I think later, Ideal became Remco, if I'm not mistaken, or got acquired by Remco, something like that. Uh, but uh, these Zeroids came out for like 10 years, but they don't flash up on too many screens uh, of people's awareness as a toy uh, until you get to the hardcore sci-fi guys from the 60s. Uh, but it was a very rich and, and well-designed. They had vehicles that went with it. They had these specialized tracks. And it interfaced with Major Matt Mason better than anything.
2: Uh, I, did it, I did know it interfaced with him, actually. I've, I've got one steroid, and I had, it, I had it as a kid. I got it in the 70s. Um, it's probably one of the later ones, but and it came with a – was it a spaceship. And yeah, I was about
0: – I had to look that up, and that was the, the – what you're talking about, I think, is the thing that popped up when I was looking for it. and I'm like, one of us had that when we were kids, right? And it had that yeah, spaceship – and it turned around or something and he rolled down the track or something? Absolutely. Holy
3: shit. That was the time that Night of Darkness came out. Nights of Darkness was a 12 inch Darth Vader wannabe. Ah, uh, yeah. And I remember that. Ward. And uh, he was uh, a 12 inch companion to the Xeroids at that point, but he was made with all the old molds from the original Captain Action toys in the 60s. Oh wow! And it, so there's cannibalization all over it, but that's the kind of lore that you get when you get to know folks in in the toy gig, especially Joe Lana Toy Lana You got cats that are walking encyclopedias of this stuff, and you'll see stuff you haven't seen <laughs> since Christmas in 1976. Wow! Cool. That. That's
2: what's I've, cool. I've, I've when done this you uh, see something that you uh, you got as uh, Christmas present, you know. 40 years ago, it, it just brings back such, you know, memories of all that. You, you just look like, ah, oh, I gotta have that, you know? <laughs>
3: well, was positive. Well, so, <laughs> something you
1: said earlier, buddy, like, uh, about guests at the convention, you're gonna have a lot of the Kenner designers there, right?
3: We're gonna have uh, two or three of the older uh, Kenner interfacing into Hasbro uh, guys there. Mm-hmm. Uh, one guy designed the Millennium Falcon. Wow. Oh, wow. See, and- and so, so here's how to fix those things. Those are the guys to ask. <laughs> I'm, I'm not
1: a huge Star Wars guy. However, uh, aside from G.I. Joe and Transformers, uh, um, uh, most 80s toys that I kind of gravitated to were Kenner.
3: Right. Actually, my friend so, Larry Spellman did all the uh, Jurassic Park first issue boxes. Yep, Jurassic Park, which I have the Ian Malcolm signed by
1: um, uh, Jeff Goldblum. Oh my God, Jeff Goldblum <laughs> from the from the first wave. I got that signed and certified and graded. Uh, what, but like it, Mask, it was a huge oh, Mask fan, right? I, yeah, absolutely. Mask is on a big relaunch, man. So yeah, I think- and I've been, I've completed my Mask collection, so I have everything. <laughs> um, uh, but like Superpowers, and Superpowers is coming back through McFarlane. Right. Yeah. What's wild is, you know, if you we're at a point now where the uh, this is my theory, at least. And we talked about this on the podcast. Toys R Us is gone. Right. Yes. Right, And you've got all these merchandisers for Target and Walmart and, and these other stores. And they're our age. And, yeah. and Hasbro knows and, Mar- and Mattel knows that if they're going to get toys on the shelf, you know putting a, a a new property out there and trying to build it from the ground up probably isn't going to work but these no. merchandisers these ordering uh, agents for the for these corporations they have nostalgia around masters of the universe and super friends and or superpowers and and all these other so and that's why we're getting this huge resurgence in G.I. Joe Classified and the Master Perfect. of the Universe Origins. We have two different Masters of the Universe lines on the mar- in on shelves right now. Two
3: different. like That's, yeah. that's insane to me. And then well, now we're getting superpowers back. Do you think there's going to be some kind of a glut situation with it at some point? Or? Not. Uh, I don't I, think there's going to be glut. Because I saw some of it pop up in a, a store called Ollie's here in town. And I was a little concerned that maybe that was not boding well, but I haven't heard that sales are slacking on either one of them. I, I, no. I think that uh, in GI Joe Classified, we saw that stuff fly out the door, man. Uh, people love the detail. People love the reinvention. They love the, the – and they like, that, they like that size, man. It's big enough to actually articulate. Well, and, and you can get into the sculpting stuff that yeah.
1: you know is four horsemen kind of made famous you can get into yeah. those details at that scale right right and um did you see the the um event yesterday did you watch the hasbro um
3: GIO? I, I have a hard time watching i worked for him for three years as a consultant so it's a little tough to be- oh, wow. <laughs> a
0: little too. I that one hits a little too close for home right that was way too close what went down in the call yesterday so they
1: they lo- they they've released a new a new price point so a uh, two new price points so you've got the twenty five dollar figures, right? Which that's right. the new legends size classified size. But <laughs> what they're doing is those are going to have just a couple of accessories, maybe like a couple of hands, uh, a couple of guns, maybe an extra head sculpt, mm. right? But they're going to be and and they're prominently putting the accessories on the front of the box right, right? now that it's no longer going to be. You know, uh, a, a bubble They're putting it on the box on the, uh, Like a banner across the, the top right corner gotcha. So you've got your, your, your Classified line And so um, Just the base classified line So they announced a few yesterday uh, They announced Shipwreck Right? And so gotcha. Shipwreck's going to have an alternate headpiece He's going to have poly He's going to have the uh, grappling hook And two guns So he's a $25 price point uh, but then they announce Job, right and snow Job is going to have skis, the poles the 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 uh ice shoes he's going to have a di- he's going to have the goggles, he's going to have three heads, one with the hood down, one with the hood up, an extra hood. so he's going to have like 10 or so accessories with him um, and even David even said on one of the head sculpts they they've done like uh um windburn on his face, a windburn effect, but not oh the goggles God. are. Right. So so when you take the goggles off, he has windburn around. You can see where the goggles were on his face, like those type of details. She's just like, you know, really cool. Uh, And then you're going to get and those are going to be thirty five. And then you're going to get like the fifty dollar price point where they're doing scrap iron. And he's he's got the uh, the um, the drone uh, missile launcher. Right. And it's going to have like blast effects and those type of things. So they've announced like those two additional price points. You're going to have bundled with vehicle items. You're going to have characters with ma- like like tunnel wrap, where he's going to have a ton of extra accessories, right? And, and snow job, and then you're going to have like the figures where it's just a, a just good figure, but sparser on the accessories.
3: Um, yeah, man, it's is a little tough when you see everything that comes with the, the TV collectibles, like the six inch. Uh, mm-hmm. figures and the Stranger Things stuff, and you see what all's coming with them, and they're in that 32 range ish, 30, 32 to uh-huh. 35. But you're getting three or four heads in some cases, you're getting all this stuff. I, you know, this is why Final Factions flying off the pegs in Dollar Tree, man, when they do you, but there is a level of detail in those sculpts that to me you ready it makes it worth it you know they they really had the room to capture the essence better in that scale now personally i i dug the hall of fame head sculpts and the uniforms from the 12 inch versions back in the 90s i mm-hmm. uh, thought they were you know if they had had a body on it that wasn't a brick you know everybody would have been happy <laughs> but th- these guys at six inches it's almost you know, it's almost that bridging size they hoped it would be. Yeah, because it really does give you entree as a twelve-inch collector into enough articulation to make it worth it.
1: Right. So you've got the three and three quarters that are getting stuff that they never had before, and you've got the twelve-inch that can step down a scale, but you yeah, still feel some of that. Uh, and they've all—I mean, they've all seen a real American hero, right? Yeah. So. So they get they get to scratch that a real American hero itch too without going all the way down to a three and three quarter scale.
3: Well, and plus one thing that helps them out is the the wave of six inch figures that are out there, and the wave of uh, support accessory materials for dioramas or for whatever. Yeah, but you've got a ton of vehicles to choose from. You've got a ton of furniture in various uh, styles, and. Well, and- such a yeah. great opportunity. Take in point, like
1: Sergeant Slaughter,
3: right? I mean, you oh, got Sar- Sar-
1: I love you. You got Sarge in WWE, right? Uh, yeah. Six inch. You've got him in uh, Valiverse, Action Force six inch, and then and then now he just signed back with Hasbro, and you got a Hasbro Sarge, right? At six inch. Uh, the one I'm wanting to try and customize is I want to get a um, and this was a San Diego Comic-Con exclusive like 15 years ago, yeah. but because Sarge was in G.I. Joe, they made hot Rowdy Roddy Piper a part of the Iron Grenadiers. So Absolutely. I would love to get a Hot Rod wrestling figure with the kilt and everything, yeah. find a leather jacket, right, and then uh, and then put a Destro logo on the shirt, and then it's a minimal, because I'm not great with paint, it's a minimal customization, but now he's going to sit on the shelf with the rest of the covers.
3: Right? Do, show you some airbrush tricks that'll straighten that right out, man. Uh, oh, there it you go. Is the greatest tool for <laughs> customized, over and above Milliput there ever was. Uh, I got to be High Rod's uh, assistant here in Atlanta when we had the GI Joe convention here in '08, I think it was or '07, mm-hmm. and uh, and he was great. He and Sarge signed autographs. He sat there for six hours and signed every autograph anybody wanted. He oh, went yeah, that's cool. So they had it. Both of those guys were the best wrestling pros I ever worked with. And it's their sheer consideration of other people that make them that. Well, and
1: so my two grails, probably my two grails, two of my grails for G.I. Joe, right, is I've got that San Diego Comic Con. Hot mm. pot Iron Grenadier signed by Roddy, right? Okay. And I've got the Sarge uh, that came out. I think the year after, with uh, where he's got the WWE belt in the packaging, but it's got a GI Joe logo over it. But you can see it's obviously the WWF belt, um, and it's signed by Sarge, Larry Hama, and Ron Rudat. Oh man! So
3: oh, you got to meet? Did you meet Larry at uh, Toyland? I didn't Joe meet him at Toyland. I met him at Joe Fest. Oh yeah, a Absolutely. few years back. Yeah. And uh, Larry is such, a, such an amazing cat. I mean, he's an actor. He's a comedian. Yeah. He's, you know, a writer, of course, and artist. But then he's this amazing model builder. Mm-hmm. He loves the detail on building models. And that's how he learns these vehicles he draws. You know, he's built every one of them a hundred times. So he's got it slapped in his brain. Yeah. Uh, on the, now, are you going to – do you have a, a diorama or a display idea for the figures when you get them done?
1: No. I Pretty much um, – I'll do some posing, but I'm big about just kind of put – because I have so much stuff. Uh, yeah. I'll kind of bleacher them. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm, I love the Amazon spice racks. Spice racks, brother. I about- <laughs> right. And, I, and I'll just set them up like a like a bandstand or like a grandstand, you know? Yeah.
3: Uh, <laughs> Make it work, bro. That's the only yeah. way. you got to have them the, in order where you can see it. Yeah. <laughs> but just so. play is one of the biggest challenges of collecting anything. Yeah. I mean, especially with 1-6. I hit the wall early. But uh, it's it's one of the things we like to get a conversation going about at Boylana is those challenges that collectors face. How do you incorporate into your life something that is so – you know, big to you, big enough to collect this massively but you've got to give it the respect it deserves because other people won't interpret it as respectfully as you take it, you know. Right. If they see it presented badly. This it's one of our messages. I mean, I spent thirty years decorating mellow mushrooms. You know, I, I have to I have to figure out how to make something look better. And lighting is such yeah. a great key storytelling point in display. And yeah. how how you, who you position and how you position them, you know, reading from left to right is a storytelling technique. So if you start looking at it with these couple of little rules, then it's like, okay, well, that gives me something to, to, to improv on. And, uh, you know, you can get some, Amazing for shortening uh, things going on with diorama. There's some great detail cabinet prints out there, and vacuum form pieces, uh, and aquarium stuff that really adapts well to display. Yeah, uh, at one point, because uh, there's that aqua,
1: there's the aquarium build for the flag. Yeah, right, and right. and making it into a coffee table. And so, like at one point, I was like, "Man, that's that's what I'm going to end up doing." Um, but I think I like the uh, uh, putting it on the casters, having the underneath, right? Yes. Um, but you know, you've got the the aquarium build where people put the Millennium Falcon in it, right? Yeah. Or they'll put okay. they'll do a little diorama, which is cool. I mean, you're just getting you know gravel. You know, you're getting you're putting the figures in there. You're you're and you're just building a case around it. Right, you know, at at the end of the day, it's just plexiglass and just making sure that, you know, it doesn't have to be doesn't have to be watertight, right? Make sure it's not going to collapse if you put your feet up on it.
3: You're you're minimizing the fact that you're using the art to create a curation. You know, you're curing that thing. You have just turned it into something that says something about you. You know, and the flag. What you did to that flag, that sounds like the perfect way the flag needs to be displayed. It's well, such a beautiful. piece, especially lit up
0: well. Oh, God. Brian! If you can only kick uh, Podboy Jacob out of the house, that will they'll give you another room. Another room, man. Hopefully, your nerd if, you, if your nerdatorium is right next to his. If you could knock down that wall, Try I mean, it, just wall. just yeah. some thoughts there. If you're going to go get into the diorama as opposed to just stacking them on top of each other, build uh, him yeah. into the diorama, man. You, you, That's all you get. Yeah, go you may need, need some more room the there, diorama. Brian.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I may need some more room.
0: All right, so two questions. We're we're almost running out of time. So one one question for you, buddy. Uh, a little bit of a test, okay? If you're up for it. All right. I recall. Sense. So I am. I'm in my call it mid fifties. I know Podman Ron probably doesn't like to hear that because he he considers well, himself to be a slightly younger than I am, but. So this is probably in the early seventies. I seem to recall, probably at Kmart, I saw some uh, toy action figure toys that were uh, based off of uh, the planets. So there was a Mars alien, a uh, Neptune alien, and all that stuff. Does any of that sound yes, familiar?
3: Yes, it does. They had a they had a carrying case.
0: Okay, I, I like- kind of remember. What was the? Do you remember the line of that that toy?
3: Lauren or something like that uh, I think it was it, it wasn't one of the majors that put it out it was one of those also oh. ran okay but it was about the same time that Princess of Power was coming out and you had those kind of uh, themed out uh, to to the month or whatever kind of things coming out I I remember
0: it but that came and went they had a metallic sheen to them I, think, I seem to think so yeah uh but and, uh, yeah, so I, I as we were talking about stuff and as uh PMR was talking about you know, recollecting uh, of uh, you know Christmas past and everything, I'm like, oh with some of them right. have toys there, so that's pretty funny. So yeah, I right, may, may have to try to hunt is, that
3: down. Your your memory will also distort things too, and it's like <laughs> oh, tune it in like an old timey T V, baby. That's like right and get it all straightened out. Uh, But, uh, you know, Kmart and Montgomery Ward and service merchandise. Oh, my God. God. With Lionel Playworld. And Lionel Playworld, they would contract out their own toys. So, when everything homogenized to Toys R Us at the end there, KB Toys, uh, you were missing all these quirky brands like Deluxe Redding and toy companies like that that all like kind of folded into each other or just disappeared. And I think the line you're talking about was like in and out in less than a
0: season. <laughs> probably, what? probably. Was well, there uh, property that, went
3: that? what's that? There was no animation that went with it.
0: No, no, I'm not that recall. I, th- I think you're completely right on that. It was one of these things kind of a, you know, f- uh, flash in the pan type thing. But I just remember, for some reason, you know, just kind of a, a slideshow in my head of uh, seeing, a, you know, a box set type thing of, you know, well, each next, and one of them. So, pretty I'm funny. i about
3: at Toyland. I'm going to be obsessing about finding these toys now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right. I will have
1: to hunt it down. Well, and then you've got companies like
3: Toy <laughs> to Sell
1: that's bringing some of the stuff back, too. Right? Oh, yeah. Like uh, RoboForce, and, and they're bringing back Sectors, Right? Absolutely. So, you know, uh,
3: well, well then you've what got these days, they're going to retread whatever they can retread, yeah. Uh, and then, then you've got, um, like, uh, even smaller,
1: but I'm excited for, uh, like Ramen Toys is re releasing versions, they're not licensed, but they're versions of the mask, um, vehicles.
3: Wow, uh, uh, so I they're what's heard? that? I heard that there was an extensive line relaunch for that, right? I mean, it's going to be like several vehicles and stuff.
1: So, so, the only ones that they've uh, they've announced is they're going to do the uh, submarine, the shark, which oh. was never produced, yeah. right? It was it was in the catalogs but never produced. Yeah, and they're and they're going to do the, um, uh, oh my god, the gold wing. What's it called? Uh, Matt Tracker's vehicle. I'm drawing oh, a total yeah. blank um uh the main vehicle right so that's the few they've announced so far but they also went back and did um uh they're doing centurions right uh in a six inch well they're really like five inch scale but so you've got now you've got all these where it's centurions wasn't a huge seller there's you know they only did like Uh, maybe two or three, I think two waves, I think, was all they really did of Centurions, but now you've got these small, to your point, buddy, with 3D printing, all these sculpting techniques, all these type of things, you've got where you can have uh, small, almost homebrew uh, uh, type toy manufacturers that can bring back some of these things that, that weren't great sellers, but people have nostalgia for from when they were kids.
3: Oh, and we've got an incredible bunch of uh, different makers that are centered around in Northeast Georgia and uh, some parts of Alabama up into the upstate of South Carolina. You know, Federation Toys up in Greenville, South Carolina, does a great job of, like, encouraging their their constituency to, to bring them, you know, what are you making? What are you working on? What are you doing? And that is all it takes is just tell people, you know, if you're making something, show it to me. But a lot of people are shy about showing their wares. You know, they, they mm. fear judgment, whatever. Yeah. Uh, in my case, it's like it's better to throw it out there and let it fly with who it flies with, and don't don't pay attention with anybody else because they will find their audience. When you're hardcore collecting something, you will dig somebody up on the internet if they if they've got what you want and okay. can help. And especially with the dearth of, like, uh, people just selling SVG files online, it's impossible to not find things now. If I could have found half the stuff uh, on, you know, an SVG file cache library, I wouldn't have collected as hard as I did over these years. But, you know, that that scrounging and that (laughs) meeting of people, that networking of people – and uh, that way to feel like you're doing a shady deal when you're just picking up toys in a parking lot, you know. There's there's all these different perks to it. Uh, and uh, the amazing uh, thing to me is, I just thought I was going to be happy picking up toys, and what I've picked up is collectors. Yeah, very cool. Love,
0: cool. I, so I love creativity. A, a couple of questions, real quick, buddy. Now that you mentioned it, a uh, uh, kind of a, a yes or no type answer on this one, okay? Service merchandise. Was that ahead of its time? Yes or no? <laughs> Slightly ahead. of It had just made
3: it a little bit longer and gone to the Internet.
0: That, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was kind of the store of the future, almost, right? It was. And was. DMR's weirdest stuff,
3: man. The weirdest stuff.
0: <laughs> DMR's got a great service merchandise story.
1: Uh, let's hear it. What? The... Uh, See, I can't give it away. So, the um, uh, what was the the bar the, that would lock the wheel?
0: Oh, the uh, it was, for, for a car. The uh, what was it? Yeah, yeah. What was the bar thing that would the lock the steering wheel? Jack, car jack, something like that. Uh, or? Car, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> so the uh, PMR was in a service merchandise one time, and a guy's got had gotten his car stolen yeah. it while it was in the parking oh. lot. <laughs> and he had gone in to buy the uh, the, the the car jack thing. <laughs> like so, while he was buying the car jack thing uh, to his lock wheel, somebody stole his car wow. uh, in the service merchandise parking lot. <laughs> he was
2: line. standing there with
3: the car jack bar. <laughs> oh, and they wonder why they went out of business. Poor, poor, poor uh, service. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> right on the corner there of uh, of Cod Parkway, right. Talking uh, about.
3: Yeah, I know exactly where that building is. Oh Lord! Yeah,
1: uh, <laughs> Toymakers too. Uh, when we had the shop, the comic shop back in the nineties, yeah, uh, Toy Fair was was uh, you know you had Wizard and then toy, uh, Wizard magazine, and they ro- ro- rolled out Toy Fair magazine. I had every issue of it. Yeah, and and um, you may remember this issue. Uh, it, we had two guys that would submit stuff to Toy Fair. <clears throat> they, and they were sculptors. They 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 made this amazing Christopher Reeve Superman. Charlie Flat. I don't know his name. Oh, really? I don't remember his name. it's Charlie with two E's. It was two guys though. I remember it was two guys. And one guy would 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 do the 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 fabric costumes. The other guy was like kind of the sculpting guy. Yeah. And they would come in. They would show us the stuff. Right. And I remember this Christopher Reeve was just immaculate. Looked just like Christopher Reeve. Right. Back in the day. And um, so they would show us stuff from time to time, and then um, they told uh, they came in one day and they were like, "Hey, look, Toy Fair's commissioned us to make a figure for them," and it was like, "Oh, this is this is incredible!" And so Toy Fair commissioned the, you remember this right, P.M.R. I don't. Oh,
2: Okay, all right. Well,
1: <laughs> this then, is getting very late for P.M.R. Uh, I know. <laughs> so Toy Fair commissioned them to make a figure, and they wanted them to make uh, um, Bucky. You know, Captain America sidekick Bucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they made this Bucky, and they they came and they showed us. And yeah, we got to. They sent us this package. We got to send it back to Toy yeah. Fair, and 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 they were worried about it getting damaged. And, and and I mean, they spent probably a good you know three weeks making this figure. It looked fantastic.
3: I do they send that. it off
1: to Toy Fair, <laughs> and then thought, I don't know four months later, Toy Fair comes out, and Toy Fair would do this thing called Twisted Toy Fair Theater. Yeah, it was like a, a funny comic book, like a Mad Magazine kind like of thing. Robot chickens and pigs. sort of, right? Robot chicken. Yeah, that's where the idea for robot chicken came from. Yeah, from Twisted Toy Fair Theater, and uh, and their and what Toy Fair commissioned them to make the figure for. You know, they made this incredible looking sculpture of a figure. Uh, they had a a, a dead side a dead sidekick showdown, and it was uh, Captain America using <laughs> Bucky using Bucky as a baseball bat. And, oh my Batman yeah. using Robin as a baseball bat, and they both had X's over their eyes, and that was what they wanted the figure for. So these guys made this immaculate looking figure. It was so cool, oh and, and and we're God. like, are they going to use it for one of the? Because they would do like mail aways. Are they using yeah. this for like part of a mail-away What are they going to use this for? Like it, and it was just for twisted toy for a theater. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know,
1: better than than nothing,
3: right? Basically, better than nothing, man. Uh, so. But I think that was Charlie Flat. I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, okay, he, he did. Uh, in he was an early. He wasn't resin casting. He was using hydrocal, which is a plaster product. I'd never heard of anybody using that, but it's as hard as resin. That's for damn straight. Uh, but uh, Charlie Flat just sort of he hit, and it was like a four year stretch there where he was just dropping magic on everybody. And then he split, and just became the subject of legend. Nobody knows what happened to him. Oh wow! Wow! Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Just the uh, the mystery of Charlie Flab baby. Hmm. Huh? That's that. wild. Well,
0: is, is speaking. It, it was the
3: it was the
1: despondence of of them using that immaculate figure yeah, like, for a twisted toy fair. <laughs> <laughs> that's what <laughs> that's what ruined his love of uh, of toy making
3: bucky did him in as uh, all the right
0: hero. <laughs> <laughs> well it was hey speaking of legend i can't let you you mentioned this before buddy and we, we confirmed it when we were in the green room uh you have a connection to mellow mushroom buddy that i think is probably pretty fascinating for everyone tell us about that
3: i uh i helped reinvent mellow mushroom they were when i joined them there were three stores and they were essentially bankrupt they couldn't afford to pay me uh and so i created all the characters and for 30 years i created um most of the art you see in almost every mellow mushroom out there Uh, and the first two drawings i took the mellow mushroom in a ruled notebook where they still use them on their pizza box and their 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 cups to this day so i've had about a half a billion views according to coca-cola (laughs) our
0: <laughs> that's see that's better than having uh, all your work put into a uh, uh uh a bucky that's getting beaten up by a dead robin i guess so uh that's no doubt <laughs> Although, some of the stuff i did for hasbro probably ended up the exact same way <laughs> that's pretty funny and then i think uh, if i recall uh, i may have seen on instagram or whatever you've helped out a uh, barbecue place as well kind of helping reinvent and and stuff like that they're
3: Yep. We uh, we had a barbecue place for about four or five years and uh, uh, the art end of things and the show end of things has kind of overwhelmed the rest of my life. So uh and it was time restaurants are a younger man's game, brother. <laughs> so I I let mine float on down the river and now I'm consulting with other restaurants, showing them how to make things better and and just You know, I I would always rush in and think the art was going to solve everything. But the art in synergy with what somebody's challenged with has to be paid attention to. And so that's what I do now is I just kind of troubleshoot and we make suggestions of how somebody can tell that story they want to tell. You want to create a fantasy in a restaurant. You want to create a moment where people forget the outside this is all there is, and they can check it at the door, uh, and you can't do that. If you got wires hanging out all over the place and you <laughs> grease stains on the you know. And so uh, I go in with an artistic eye, and I'll make whatever other suggestions come up. But usually it's as simple as explaining that every environment you're in is a story. And that story can be told the same way it's told in the book, go from left to right when you walk into a room. It punctuate with lighting you know look at the structure of the place and look at the soul that somebody wants to have in a place uh, and those were the rules that got us through at mellow mushroom and they were great stores we just would hide so many things in that artwork that it was subconsciously fascinating to people and it took off and i like uh i like making things better i like fixing things i like building things i like Improving things, and you know, there's not a lot about the human race I can do much about, but huh. I can bring them the remembrance of, of, of fun, the remembrance yeah. of positive trauma. Well, <laughs> <'cause it's> <laughs> wow.
0: and that is that's been my life doing.
3: That's cool,
0: but that's Thank fantastic, and you've certainly made this podcast episode better by being here, buddy. It's, so. Well, I, I,
3: I, <laughs> Kept me from uh, getting into some trouble outside
0: the confines of my house. So good. Well, there, you, well there you go. Well, I, I mean, again, we could probably go on another few hours learning more about uh, our, our new friend Buddy, our new buddy buddy here. Uh, but uh, we we don't want to keep you because we know that you're slammed <laughs> with trying to get Toy Lanta ready for uh, coming up March twenty fourth. So again, let's give that another shout out, buddy. Do do your best uh, promotional speech for Toy Lanta.
3: Uh, Toylanta 2023, March 24th through 26th. It's at the Hilton Hotel in Norcross, Georgia. We're going to have uh, hundreds of tables of toys. Uh, we're going to have uh, a cosplay. We're going to have contests. We're going to have music. We're going to have it all. And I may put some lasers in there somewhere. I don't know. Pew, pew, <laughs> baby. Pew, pew.
0: Uh, (laughs) that's fantastic well it sounds like a sounds like a blast and uh and and maker stuff too right because that's the stuff that i get into so all right uh you have you ever vacuum formed my friend uh only when clay i at monster Ramacon when clay had the little mini vacuum form there and made you know well creature gill man only when my wife had
3: three drinks
0: yes yes yes. (laughs)
3: it's it's the best of humanity, man. It is people sharing the love of creating for the right reasons. So, man, come down and raise hell with
0: Clay because he is the most fun. Yeah, yeah, a lot of great people, yeah. like you said, it's fantastic.
3: All right, thank you, fellas, so much for having us. Uh, thank you very much, buddy.
2: We are, we appreciate you taking the time to be with us tonight. And
3: talk about some time, and we'll we'll uh, come on over there. You know it, pal. Yeah, if you get to come out to Toyland, you show up. Let me know you there. Will, oh,
0: absolutely. absolutely. We will definitely uh, seek you out. Very good. All right, Y'all all take care. All right, thanks a lot, thanks, buddy. buddy. All right, and I think that kind of wraps up this episode. Uh,
2: Did we lose Brian
0: again. We may have lost no, Brian. Here. Now, Brian. Brian's thinking of more questions for Buddy. He's like, "Oh my God, I think I found my soulmate here." Talking about uh, GI Joe toys. So, <laughs> but anyway, well, maybe we can get Buddy on because we do have Joe uh, Lanta coming up later on in the year. So we'll try to get him on. Uh, Before that, but until next time, Brian, save it for the podcast.